0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Pure Digital Passion Podcast with Moses Kamibaru. Today, I'm delighted to have two entrepreneurs who recently were winners in the Kenya edition of the Visa Everywhere Initiative. And I'd like them to, first of all, introduce themselves as they come onto the show, starting with you, Nelson.
1: My name is Nelson Aseka, and I'm the CEO and co-founder at iFluence.
2: Thanks, Moses. My name is Radhika Bachu, and I'm the CEO and co-founder at Ndovu.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. So I think for me, first of all, it's great to be amongst champions, you know, people who won uh, (laughs) such an amazing event. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And also grateful to Visa for making this uh, particular podcast possible. But Nelson, I think I've known you for a number of years since you started AirFluence. I think uh, Radhika just met you today for the first time. Pleasure. And I'm very keen to just sort of understand maybe for our audience, you can tell us a little bit about your businesses, what you do, Uh, Maybe starting with you Radhika, give us some backstory around maybe yourself and your business.
2: Yeah, no, sure thing. So um, like everyone else, I'm born and raised in Kenya, but had the opportunity to study abroad. And um, whilst I was there, I decided to get a job in finance, nothing surprising, um, and worked with pension funds, corporations to take the money they have today, make smart decisions by investing it so they can then pay their liabilities in the future. And like every Kenyan, I wanted to come back because let's be honest, Kenya is the lifestyle in Kenya is golden. Um, and when I came back, I wanted to always start a business because I grew up around females who ran their own businesses. Oh, nice. So my grandmother uh, started a catering company and my mom had a, her own tailoring business. So from the back of my mind, just growing up, I knew I wanted to start a business. And this was the right opportunity. I had learned enough Um, But I didn't know where to get started. So I was sitting with a bunch of friends when I moved back, and I asked them, guys, what do you do with your savings? A lot of them said it actually sits in a bank account. Mm. And for me, that was the worst idea, because if money's sitting in a bank account, African countries have high rates of inflation, that means you're not making your money work for you. And then I said, okay, well, I have no knowledge on how to build a business. Um, so what's the quickest way to, so I'm a little bit lazy, what's the quickest way to build a business? And then I joined an accelerator program, which took you from how to, how do you think about a business, a problem, and then how do you solve for it? And that's when Dobu came around. Um, and in summary, is a savings and investment platform that provides everyday Kenyans, East Africans, access to global markets that helps them take their hard earned money and invest it in smart ways so they can grow it for their financial futures.
0: Fantastic, I have to ask about the name because obviously we have an international audience, but maybe you can say a bit more about what Dovu means in Kiswahili and why you chose that particular name.
2: Yeah, no, so Dovu in Swahili means the elephant. And because myself and my co-founders are very much from financial backgrounds, we wanted to make sure we were the family helping out the jungle to create wealth, and so Whatever we do is based with the customer in the, in the center of the business. Mm. If it doesn't benefit our customers, we won't do it. We can make money. We could have chosen different business strategies. But for us, it was all about wealth creation. Um, and if you think about it, in Africa, the largest, largest, key, most important animal in the jungle or safari is the elephant. So we wanted the herd mentality mm. to help bring people along um, their lives.
0: So helping the collective to be more financially successful. Yeah, you put Fantastic. it better than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Nelson, let's yes. come back to you. Tell us the story, the origins. How did this business of yours come about at IFLUNS?
1: Yeah, so that's always a vibe. This story just gets people either cracking or you know, confused. <laughs> so uh I don't know how far back you were in uh, twenty eleven in terms of bar visits and things like that, <laughs> where you Ah, you're ringing a
0: bell, you're ringing a bell, (laughs) I remember, yeah, Uh, but maybe say it in your own words. (laughs) Yeah. so in uh,
1: 2011, I was charged the responsibility of bringing a brand new whiskey into the African market, Uh so that was Jameson, and uh, the two competitors at the time had over 25 years of market dominance and, you know, top of mind for everyone, if you say whiskey, Mm. someone says this whiskey. That name, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> the one that our dads <laughs> drank. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and and yeah, so I, I decided that, you know, uh, coming into this market that now the excitement has worn down about the new role and stuff. I'm now like I have two giants I have to go against. How do I do that with an unknown whiskey? Mm. So I decided the first thing to do was to sit and understand who this target consumer is. Which meant I set out eight weeks and decided every single day of those eight weeks I'll be bar hopping, just going to <laughs> stalk consumers. At were you know imbibing or just watching, observing? I was uh, drinking, as, uh, enjoying the whiskey <laughs> as I was observing. Why not? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So full emotion, exactly. So <laughs> and my friends those days were like, man, you're getting paid to drink, and us guys have to work to the end of the month to get money to go and drink. You know, it's mm. not a fair world. But anyway, <laughs> so in <laughs> sitting and observing, I was just sitting a corner and on a monday and see what people what time people will walk in as opposed to a wednesday as opposed to a sunday which part of the bar do they gravitate towards uh, what conversations go on on, on tables because it's dropping as well and then how do they evolve during the night you know who do they interact with at what time do the people do that? Uh, was it called a walk of honor or something? Just going around and seeing who else is in the So mind. you're really being an anthropologist.
0: You're really trying to understand Completely the behavior, everything. all that, yeah?
1: Completely, yeah. So things like, you know, who is most likely to cause a bar fight? And wow. Why, you know? <laughs> uh, whether their are spending habits on different days of the week, different times of wow. the month what products would be bought during, you know, end-month times, you know, and people are boisterous and stuff. The seasonal elements. You know, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I collected so much data and, you know, and some of it absolutely useless, some really, really useful. And over the eight weeks, the one thing that stood out to me the most was consumers trusted bartenders over everyone else, mm. trusted them over their friends or, you know, brand promoters when it came to drink suggestions, right? So meanwhile, as my competitors were using celebi- celebrities and socialites to drive adoption for their brands, I decided I'm going to use bartenders as my influencers. Wow. So I started which is radical from, in itself, exactly, right? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I started the bar- first bartender's club. Uh, and every, what I would do is that every Monday, every first Monday of the month, I would hire out a club, fill it up with that whiskey, uh, and call these bartenders in for a party. So there's a DJ, there's free food and stuff. Wow. But just before the party starts, I take 20 minutes, do brandy mash, and get them to understand what this whiskey is about, where it's from, how it's made. But most importantly, I would do a comparative testing between this whiskey and you know the two competitors, and bring out you know those subtle differences that would make this whiskey appear better. Because i mm-hmm. I'd studied like, for three months in Ireland about whiskeys, how they're made and stuff, so I knew how to bring out those subtle elements, right? So after that they would party, and the only thing I would serve them would be Jameson, uh, either on the rocks or as a mixed drink or as a cocktail, and uh, so make show them how to make this perfect serve. So at the end of the night they're happy, they go back to the stations, and you know speaking about it, good vibes. Yeah, this went (laughs) on and on for three months. And by the it went on for a while, but in three months, I had a database of 5,000 bartenders, and I grew that brand from zero to the highest selling whiskey in seven months. What? It's Incredible. Because someone would come to the bar and say, hey, what whiskey would you uh, recommend me to take? The guy would be like, ah, easy, take Jameson, because A, B, and C. Or someone c- comes and says, give me a double. Uh, <laughs> the other one. <laughs> the other one. They'll <laughs> be like, which year are you living in, you know? <laughs> Jameson is a new block. Uh, I been kid on the block. You need to try it. It's better than that because ABC, because of the subtle, you know, things I was telling them about. And then there, uh, someone would come and say, I would like a cocktail. Uh, I'll make you a very good Jameson cocktail. So someone would, uh, I mean, mm. and that's how it grew. So all of a sudden you walk into a bar there, are bottles of Jameson everywhere, mm-hmm. you know. So that grew that movement. So I was promoted into Africa because the company had never even seen that kind of spike in growth. uh, And they wanted me to replicate those results I had done in Kenya to sub-Saharan Africa. And I used that Jamison strategy everywhere I went, and it worked all the time. So in sitting down and thinking, I was like, if I can put this Jamison strategy onto a tech platform, I could use it to grow any brand anywhere across the world. And that's how I came about. So in essence we found a way using AI to drive word of mouth at scale to accelerate customer acquisition growth and behavior change for global brands and organizations.
0: Now it's very interesting because you've been around a few years and you yeah. know AI is actually in your name. Yes. And we all know with the advent of ChatGPT and you know kind of like the generative AI space yes. it sort of brought I think the concept of AI into public consciousness. But it feels to me that you're already ahead of the curve in understanding the potential or the, shall we say, the catalyst effect yeah. that AI can bring into so many different processes. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that because, again, it is in your name. So I'd like to hear more. Like, again, you're clearly years ahead of the, what is now currently the hot <laughs> thing, yeah?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and and you are very right. So the, the purpose of using AI, especially in iFluence, was to help us scale its taking that strategy that I had in my mind yes. and put it, in, it onto a tech platform and to really actualize it, we needed to use AI to be like me when I was sitting in bus. Because, yeah. for instance, if uh, Visa comes to us and says, we want to uh, drive some acu- customer acquisition program, say in Johannesburg, the first thing I'll ask them is that, who is your target customer? Mm-hmm. So they'll tell me 25 to 35 million mm. social butterflies. The stuff. typical stuff in a brief, uh, yeah. yeah. So I'll feed that that into my platform, and the platform will geotarget and identify these guys because we can work anywhere in the world and identify this exact target consumer profile. And then you run psychographic, behavioral, sentiment analysis on this target audience to gain deep insights into them. Just the way of sitting down in a bar and doing that kind of thing manually. So we've used AI to do that much quicker, not the eight weeks I took to take seconds to really analyze this target audience and then work backwards to identify who lies in their trust networks. Consumers trusted bartenders because they knew these guys have domain expertise in what they do. They're they're not just any other dancer or any socialite and stuff who has a following. They, They actually trust these bartenders to tell them the truth. So we look for the bartender for the visa guys, you know, in okay. essence. So using AI to to, to to deliver that.
0: Wow. Yeah. So basically, AI and technology allowed you to accelerate exactly. or to scale the methodology that you had previously 100%. used in a more manual, more uh, shall we call it a hands-on basis. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Radhika, let's come back to you. So, obviously, I think Kenya has a unique space in the fintech world. You know, we are the home of M-Pesa. We are the global leaders in mobile money. Um, We've seen billions, possibly, of dollars flooding into the ecosystem uh, in Kenya over the last probably decade into Mm -hmm. fintechs. And, of course, you know, a lot of this is underpinned with mobile money, specifically Safaricom's M-Pesa. So, we hear a lot about fintechs. We hear different things they're doing, whether it's remittances or, uh, in your case, wealth management and savings. Uh, But maybe you can share with us, you know, when you think about the power of fintech to sort of empower and support the individual, and in particular what Ndovo does in the market, maybe you can share a little bit more about how that actually works and what, you know, makes it so profound or relevant.
2: Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. I think um, if you compare, Kenya across the African continent to other countries. We are definitely the home of fintech. And Kenyans are willing to try new products. So the adoption rate is super high. And if they're happy with the product, they'll continue managing it or using it. But what we found when we started was that actually there's still a large proportion of um, Kenyans Who are still excluded from formal financial markets? Mm. So, across Africa, the market size for uh, savings and investments is $85 billion. Wow. But still, there still remains 60% of people who are not saving or investing. And what was the reason? Why that, was that the case? And what we wanted to do was really dig a bit deeper. So we did a lot of research to understand our underlying consumer. So for Dovu, we have two products. We have the B2C app, which is more middle income and high net with individuals. And we also launched a mass market uh-huh. play uh, using imp- uh, an API, which is an embedded approach. And for the B2C, what it was was sitting with our networks, sim- similar to what Nelson did, understanding if you're educated enough, you have a formal formal job, it's paying a regular salary, why are you not, you're saving, but why are you not investing? And what we learned with the market was that the some, Kenyans are getting busier by the minute, but the solutions that were available at that time when we launched were not meeting the needs of the everyday Kenyan Mm. consumer. And what do I mean by that? So firstly, Kenyans don't know where to get started. So we all are very educated, but when it comes to investing, it's an emotional-driven decision. Mm. You know, you've taken your hard-earned money and you're giving it to someone, but you're not getting a reward. So, for example, you'll go to a bar, you'll buy a beer, and you're okay to spend that money because you're getting a beer in Mm. return. But when it comes to investing, it is emotional. And as a result of that, we're not taught financial education at school. So none of us know how to get started. They teach us integration... Mm. Um, (laughs) you know photosynthesis but the real skills were not taught and it's not just in Africa it's also in um, globally and so the first thing we asked really um, middle tier corporate uh, formal workers was what would you do and they said we don't know how to get started and at that time there was nobody helping people with their financial education and literacy and then what we also find was that because Kenyans were getting really busy they didn't have, they didn't want to go to the fund manager, sit down and, you know, fill in 10 forms, wait mm. for KYC to be done. All of that is a friction point. Yeah, lots like, of oh.
0: friction. Yeah, yeah,
2: even like, think of us in a day-to-day. If you tell me I have to go somewhere and fill in yeah. a form, we don't want to do it. And it's something we know we should be doing, but like, oh, I'll do it next week. Well, partly <laughs> because
0: of the delayed gratification, right? Yeah, There's the effort yeah. versus the return, isn't versus it?
2: Versus the return. And of yeah. course, you know, it's good for you, but... So um, that was another thing. And then lastly was, if you wanted to partake in global markets, you needed a lot of money. And when I say a lot of money, that's minimum $10,000. Mm. A private banker, uh, re- you'll have to be a really well-to-do family to get that. Um, and so what we did and what we found how to empower people to get started was, on our B2C app, what we decided to do was, first, when you come onto the platform, we would ask Moses a series of questions and based on your answers, we'll say, Moses, based on your lifestyle, you're actually a conservative investor, Mm. which means you're only looking to grow your money and outpace inflation. You're only looking to grow your money anywhere from seven to 10%. And you don't want to take too much risk. Um, And then that, so in our uh, component, we use AI and algorithms to get you to understand, to understand the underlying consumer. And what that does is also reduces the emotional risk So we know that if this person is less risk-seeking, we will not recommend them risky assets. We'll show them low-risk assets, such as a money market fund or a bond, because you know the returns are guaranteed. Um, and then the second thing was they didn't want to go into sh- a shop. So we created an app and it you can mm. invest within three minutes. We've made the KYC process super simple. Uh, we have educational content as soon as you sign up um, on the actual app. So if you don't know how to get started, you watch a few videos and it gives you a bit of guidance. And then lastly, we broke down the barrier of the $10,000. Mm. So on the platform, you can invest in local So money market funds, government bonds, um, and then we also gave you access to the S&P 500, which basically is companies such as Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Tesla, Samsung.
0: So you can do both local and international investments from the platform?
2: Exactly. And the great thing is you can start with as little as 5,000 shillings.
0: Fantastic. So really Uh, lowering the barriers to to entry. To
2: entry. Um, And of course, what we found (coughs) in this market is, again, I mentioned... Kenyans are willing to try a product but you have to meet the customer experience level Mm -hmm. for them to continue using it and I can now say that we launched in February 2022 I would I'm proud to say that now we've got there you know people historically would take about 14 touch points of hearing us from Nelson, Moses, online media, a webinar and now I can say that's come down to four touch points Mm -hmm. and that's really valuable because it just means our trust is growing and it takes time but we've, we finally got there so even the fact of acquiring a kenyan user has gone the cost of acquiring a kenyan user has also gone down
0: so much better much smoother customer journey and of yeah. course i'm sure you're iterating all the time
2: all the time and the one thing i tell my team and finally you know I've got to a stage where we are able to build have really high really smart people in the right departments is don't focus on changing or innovating big things. Mm. Just improve the process you processes internally by five percent annually, and I promise you the customer experience will get better. Yeah, and that we've already start seeing the effect. Our ma- our marketing has got tighter. Our customer service has got better, and as a result of that, we're spending less money to acquire more customers.
0: Fantastic. There's something you said that's really close to my heart because you when know, I've worked in the digital marketing space and digital products for many years. But, you know, I've always said to people, you know, when you think about the use case of, let's say, the taxis, the digital taxis, mm. you know, they all do the same thing. Yeah. But my view mm. has always been that, you know, the UX, it's not what it is, it's how it works. How it works. Um, exactly. Or rather, how it looks, it's how it works. And I think those small nuances, like mm. I think Google was the first one to put, instead of a little dot moving on a road, it was actually looked like a car a that car. returned. Exactly. Yeah. And those little delightful user experience things are things where I think Kenyans are very sophisticated. Mm. You know, we expect... The Uber of Kenya to be as good as the Uber in New York, 100%. and across all different types of applications and yeah. mobile apps. So I think you know the thing that you said about Kenya being more sophisticated, more uh, nuanced around those subtleties. I think it's very profound, mm-hmm. you know. Nelson, I'd like to come back to you. And mm-hmm. I'd like to, again, of course, talk about what has happened recently. Yeah. In fact, maybe I need to send you my CV because of all <laughs> the money you have in the bank. You should. Um, you know, the Visa you know, Everywhere Initiative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're one of the winners. Um, and I want you to tell me how you got into that, how did that happen, mm-hmm. and, of course, you know, the journey since. You know, maybe you can give us some background on that particular initiative.
1: Yeah, so I think getting into this Visa uh, Everywhere Initiative, for me it was like... You know, let me let me try this. I, I knew I don't qualify. I'm not a fintech. We are an tech, but you know I need a foot in the door into Visa because I have a plan for them, right? Maybe start off by
0: telling us what is this Visa Everywhere initiative from from the beginning, from your point of view.
1: Yeah, so uh, the Visa uh, Everywhere initiative brings together fintechs to uh, a- across you know the globe now to uh, get the most impactful to the community the, to get the most um innovative solutions that could partner eventually with Visa to make, you know, the world a better place. So uh it's very fintech oriented, but I think like I was saying, you know, we are an ad tech, but I just decided to jump in because I had a plan, a bigger picture plan, <coughs> you know, with Visa. I, I didn't really even expect to win out of this. I just wanted some recognition so that, you know, in a sitting or knocking at the door of one of the visa guys they recognized me from you know having applied for it Mm -hmm. so yeah so it's uh i mean so yeah so we got to apply uh i got shortlisted into the finals uh we met with radhika and three other splendid entrepreneurs and uh you know Turned out we won, but uh, you know I I really, really did not expect it because the solutions these guys were presenting, I was like, "Why me? (laughs) How me? (laughs) How me?" Yeah, I was like, "Just being at the finals is enough for me. I I just need to, you know, have a chat with these visa guys." But, uh, and the solution I was presenting is what actually I wanted to have a chat with them about, which is we are creating Africa's first creators hub, which uh, because we are solving the major challenge and problem we've come across in our work as i for the past three years where hundreds of thousands of youth are trying to get into this creator economy because of lack of jobs and, you know, the Mm, the hustle. Exactly. Mm. So uh, we're like, and for us, we can help upskill this youth to global standards because that's one of the things creators are lacking in terms of tools and resources to be able to upskill to where the content can actually be uh, quality enough to be used by brands and agencies. Mm. So we can help in that. Secondly, we've uh, grown a huge sort of uh, database of customers who we can connect them to across the globe because now we're working across the f- Across Africa, Asia, Europe, wow. and US, so we can connect them to jobs, and then help them to uh, grow their businesses. I mean, to grow uh, these creators to grow into successful, you know, businesses. So they're merchants. So we think that you know, and we believe that uh, Visa would be a great anchor partner for us because of one being able to pro- provide a great way to get paid for these creators and secondly just helping in financial literacy because Mm. these guys you know they're budding entrepreneurs they have no idea about how to manage their you know finances and stuff so that's the solution we are presenting and yeah <coughs> which we ended up uh you know getting the price
0: i think it's so good that you've unpacked the how or yeah. the why yeah and the way that it then plays into the visa you know financial ecosystem yeah because i don't know how many people realize this but whenever we see you know visa at the at the merchant till or um you know the business the credit cards or the yeah. debit cards we have yeah. we always perceive them more as a, an enabler of those payments but exactly. i think people underestimate is that visa is really a complete ecosystem 100%. that allows so many different types of payments, yeah. including, of course, even what they've got with Safaricom, which is this global pay virtual cards. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Nairobi, I think, is one of the few centers in the world yeah. that has the innovation center that helps businesses like yours exactly. to actually innovate and do things that are interesting in the fintech space. Yeah. So it's profound, I think, that there's that connection that you saw yeah. between what you're doing in terms of helping content creators yes. and also how this ecosystem can then empower them. Yeah, yeah. and maybe let's come to you Radhika. You can also tell us your journey to this particular initiative with Visa.
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, like Nelson, before applying with Visa, you just think of them as payments. Mm -hmm. And actually the initiative is great because it makes you go through the website and look at all the products you have. So not only can you do payments, you can do merchant QR code payments, you can... Uh, do v- issue virtual cards, mm. you can do internal working capital lending. Um, and there were lots of different um, initiatives that Visa has actually spent a lot of time. And the beauty about Visa is the scale that you get. And the one thing that we found is that we are here to build investment opportunities for the whole of Africa. And in, to- and in today's world, if a Ugandan wanted to invest in the Kenya government, uh, Kenya of government infrastructure bond, they can't mm. because firstly the the, the visa payment pro, or the process payment process sorry is not easy and you have to open an account KYC KYC um, and then taxation mm. and the one thing that Dovu's focused on is allowing people to invest across the Pan-African continent because why should we only build global companies we mm. should build our local local ecosystem because we have a lot to offer and for us, the key main reason we applied to Visa was to be able to allow cross-border payments yeah. seamlessly, yeah. Um, because today it is a pain. If I wanted to send money to, uh, I know there's m but it's not as slick. because As smooth have to, as it should be. Yeah, so it's not as smooth as it should be. If I wanted, I can send money, but I can't invest it and I can't pay for something, So for us, we wanted to make sure that payments is seamless. And that is one of our pain points. Um, And of course, payment providers can be super expensive. But with Visa, you're paying for quality, you're paying for trust, you're paying for fraud protection because they're such a big brand and they've taken time to focus on it. But the second really interesting um, initiative for us was, if you look at the modern-day African, most of us go to study abroad, right? Our parents work really hard for us to save so that we can go to do a course in Ireland, uh, like Nelson mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know, Moses, I'm sure you've had, I saw that you've done a a Harvard course online. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you're thinking more internationally and we're just Kenyans. We love uh, consuming products from abroad. Mm -hmm. Uh, We like trying new things. And half of the population struggle again because they don't have a card they can use online. And data shows that actually in the next 15 years, payments will be all digital. Mm -hmm. And so what we wanted to do was that once we have our invest, in, investors investing on the platform, they could then issue a launch a virtual card, mm. which allows them to be part of the online digital economy, which leads them to more opportunities, whether that's upskilling themselves, whether it is buying materials for their business, um, whether it is, and doing that with ease. So we're trying to make their lives better. And of course Visa's virtual card uh, platform is one of the better ones out there. We did our research, um, and we just wanted to be able to, you know, future plan our the vision of our company, and I think it's. Uh, it's why we applied Fantastic. and we were really lucky to have been a selected for the finals and then we also won the social impact award which was uh, also very great because we do believe like we're changing lives so it was, it was powerful yeah.
0: so what i'm hearing is that in addition to the wealth management and savings you're really about financial inclusion mm-hmm. and also that equity uh, making sure that everyone can participate you know i think that's a very powerful motivating vision purpose uh, that your business has
2: yeah and and a lot of people ask me what does success look like for you and i always say this if i'm walking down the street and someone taps me and said hi you 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 founded dovu because of you i was able to send my child to university Mm. that is what success is for me um because i think you can make money in life but what you really get is by giving and growing individuals And when I hopefully am in my 60s, I want to look back and say, yeah, we did that. Like, Nelson is currently helping youth educate themselves, create a business out of them. He's providing livelihoods.
0: Financial literacy.
2: You know, that is powerful. Um, And I just hope we have more enablers, such as Visa, the government to help us do that well, because we're really trying, because running yeah. a business is difficult, is. Yeah. Um, and we do really hope that there are more enablers, like corporates, larger corporations, that is come in and say, okay, we see the value in what you're doing, let's support you, and Visa's taken that step in the right direction.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, we we'll need to see more corporates in that direction. Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: yeah. yeah. So I wanna share a topic that's dear and clear to my heart, which is the entrepreneur journey. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. The ups and downs, Ooh. the <laughs> challenges. Yeah, the peaks and what do you call it? The feasts and the famines. Yeah, the famines. And of course, you guys right now are kind of eating a bit of a feast. I know mm-hmm. that the money Visa gave you, of course, goes back into the business. Uh, yeah. So hopefully there won't be any issues there, uh, especially for you, Nelson, because you won the other edition as well. But yeah. more importantly, let's talk about the, the business, the challenges that you've encountered. Mm-hmm. I think in the journey to where you are, and obviously, um, as also maybe the challenge of even participating in the, you know, the Visa Everywhere initiative. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can start with you, just giving us a bit of a backdrop around some of the challenges and experiences you've had getting to this point.
1: Oh, where do I start? <laughs> 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 you want to write There's a book? A book. <laughs> There's a whole book. And I think it's important to tell these
0: stories because I yeah. think the startups that are looking up to you, the young people yeah. who aspiring to be like you, to be mm-hmm. winners like you, would love to hear some of the things and maybe some nuggets yeah. of the things that they need to think about
1: yeah. to mm.
2: get
0: here.
1: Mm. Um, I think the founder's journey is a very lonely road, as you can attest. <clears throat> you know, it's... Uh, and it's something where you get into, and people are thinking, "Hey, this guy's, you know." They're it. killing it. Yeah, killing <laughs> it. You know, they, they have it all I love that language. killing them. it, yeah. crushing it. You're crushing it completely, <laughs> you know. And you have to present a really, uh, you know, a, a really strong face out there, right? You're not, even if things are hitting you from left, right, and centre, you're just over there. The one thing that ails us the most, I think, would be capital, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of being able to raise capital, and you know how VC's look at Africa, you know it's really underserved. Still, at that direction, uh, we get um, uh, we get hit by valuations and things like that. Mm. So it's very expensive money at, at that point. So what I always tell people, man, it's, it looks nice and rosy, raising millions of dollars and stuff, but at the end of the day, what are you going to end up with? You know. If you can bootstrap, I really, really admire guys who mm. bootstrap. Right? I second it's, that. Yeah, completely. As in, it's it's a uh, fundraising thing is hectic. It's huh? hectic and it takes time off you. As in, completely. You know, every fundraising round will take you will eat at least six, seven months of your day to day. You know. Wow. Yeah. So. Um, it's not an easy journey, but it's fulfilling. And uh, I mean, for you to get into this space, I think you need to have what it takes as a founder in terms of having grit—you know, never letting down, uh, always have a burning passion, and you know, the drive to be able to achieve what you want. Because without that, all these obstacles will kill you, right? Crush, <laughs> you. <laughs> Crush you. Not for the faint-hearted. It's not eh? for the faint-hearted. So, I. I I've always been excited about what I'm doing and uh, the journey, but I've hit uh, rock bottoms, I've hit tops. You know, the, uh, there's a point I remember one of my investors loaned me $160 to be able to pay for one month of my email subscription, wow. you know, because <laughs> I couldn't do it. And at that time, I was also borrowing Wi-Fi from my neighbor next door, you know. <laughs> and then the other time, when you. On the top, you're killing it and stuff. So there's that from a piece in The peace and the famines. Yeah, exactly. That's it. But yeah, uh, but all in all, it's um, very, very. It's it's a great journey. Uh, one thing I really learned from early on is just put structures from day one. You know, it helps. It always helps. You know, just ensure it looked like a lot of work at the beginning, but just putting up a structure creating that company culture from the ground up really helps when you get to this level because you can see everything is working Mm. in, you know, the cog is moving in the right direction. Um, So that's been one of my major learnings and yeah, there's always ups and downs and, you know. Uh, at whatever stage of the business it is so wow yeah <laughs> no I,
0: I can completely empathize i know that journey of just having enough money for the fuel to get you yes home. exactly uh, <laughs> or i remember the early days when you still used to use landlines i remember in my business we scenario scenario where Kenya, the Kenya Post and Telecommunications cut off the lines, oh, and people couldn't reach us. Because those really days, the changed. office line was more important than the mobile. Exactly, it sort yeah. of meant that you were official, exactly. mm-hmm. and therefore, people <laughs> will call the office line versus your mobile. So, I, I know it's it's never easy, it's, and I'm and I'm sure, Radhika, you have some stories as well. I You do. know, I'd like to hear more about the challenges and any nuggets you have for for startups. Yeah.
2: So I I, I echo um, Nelson's sentiment about fundraising. Yeah. Um, and the reality is it detracts you from doing your day-to-day job that you can focus on building your business to make it more profitable but you have to do fundraising because you need the money it's chicken and egg you (laughs) need each other Uh, but what i would say um some of the key things i've learned is if you're going to start a business do something with where you've got years of domain expertise Mm, nelson did ad tech because he came from an advertising background. I worked at BlackRock and Deloitte and I did something in finance. Mm. You are already the better person in the room because this information is embodied in you. You know, the challenges, you've done this before. Subconsciously, you know, what's going to work and Mm. what's not going to work. So, you know, at the time when I was looking to start a business, I explored skincare, fashion. Mm. And in the end I said, no, I have to do something I already have an advantage in. And then what i find is that with the entrepreneurship journey just surround yourself with people who can help you get to the next stage of your business so a lot of us it is a lonely journey and if you just have investors and mentors that can help you get to the next level it makes your life a lot easier because it is lonely and they've seen areas of a, of that business i can't be a product manager i can't be a, a developer i can't be a marketing mm. human but they'll help you hire the right marketing person because they know what signs to spot for. Mm. And it's little things like that, tapping into your network to say, hey, please, Moses, can you help me uh, vet this guy for finance sales because that's or tech sales because it's what you did? Mm-hmm. I won't know what to look for. And I think the biggest mistake I've made is in hiring. So hiring, but then not firing fast enough. Mm. And it actually oh, costs you a lot of money. Destroys the culture within the company, which you've spent so long building, yeah. and it, for me that was the biggest learning for 2022. Yeah. Okay. yeah, and then one last thing I'll say with entrepreneurship, no one knows what they're doing. Mm. <laughs> All you're doing is you're trying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
2: you're testing in a methodol uh, in a structured way assumptions and hypotheses that you believe in, mm. that you think could be right. And I and I'm sure Nelson can attest to this. Whatever you assumed was 90% wrong. Yes. And what you learn is what actually being in the market, speaking to your clients, yes. speaking to you. Like I actually till today, I've delegated a lot of the roles, but I get on a call with my clients every week, three clients. Yeah. I want to know what keeps them up at night. Because if you're not speaking to them, you're not building a business for mm. them. And you just, because you're so overwhelmed with all this work, you don't want to do it because now you have teams, mm. but you have to force yourself
0: yeah, I think it's, it's just that same sort of entrepreneur thing that, which I still see today, you know, when everyone leaves the office, when everyone is having the weekend, you're the one with the lights still on, grinding away. Yeah. Because it's your baby. You know, mm-hmm. it's exactly. like a human baby. You, yeah. You've got to nurture it, you've got to feed it, you've got to clean up the mess it makes, uh, otherwise nobody's there. But I think one of the things I think I love about entrepreneurs is this uh, idea that we often go into it not knowing what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, then we have the courage or... Uh, possibly the uh, the innocence of doing things that other people who are more experienced would say, "Are you crazy?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's part of the magic of entrepreneurship. That it's a journey of discovery, but sometimes pleasantly you make the right calls. 100%. And on the other yeah. side, you know, you you win ten thousand and twenty thousand <laughs> know? dollars. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more about coming back to you, Nelson. I think mm-hmm. looking at your business, looking at the sort of the digital finance and the fintech ecosystem mm-hmm. across Africa, across you know the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, where do you see your business and what you're doing at Ifluence plugging into that
1: yeah so i think well with iFluence and you know we w- what i always say is that we are a solution built out of kenya but serving a global problem you know like now we're working in 23 countries across the world and um, what we are giving is also what i like to call di- digital literacy to you know, the upcoming youths and providing some form of income and, and things like that. So, what I see, and one of my biggest ambitions, actually, maybe another three years down the line, is to form the first, maybe, African social media platform in a way that it's it's socially commerce driven rather than, you know, the mm. normal uh, Facebooks and uh, things where, you know, when you're joining this platform, you're joining to make money. Mm-hmm because I want to start exploring things like blockchain and stuff like that because I'm building two communities. I'm building a community of corporates and a community of creators. If we could create this into one big ecosystem, you know that when you're joining this platform and it could be something like what I usually think is if you maybe go to a restaurant, this restaurant is part of that ecosystem and if you take a photo with your phone and Anyone from your uh, followers likes it or comes to a restaurant because of you, you get points, and these points can be converted into shillings at the end of the month. So everyone is making money in that ecosystem. So that's my um, bigger look at it as I continue to grow these communities to just form one ecosystem that can always just benefit from each other 24-7.
0: Fantastic. So you really want to play into the the networks exactly. and, and how they all interconnect and support each other going 100%, forward. Yeah. 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 What about you, Radhika? How do you <coughs> see Dover fitting into the global, the local, fintech, digital, finance ecosystem?
2: Great question. Um, one thing about a startup, your vision changes often. Oh, yes. And you have to <laughs> redirect yourself to back. The to, pivot. <laughs> and then you do all this work and you're like, oh, we're back to the same place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so for us, we want to be your holistic financial inclusion, wellness partner. And what, what what I mean by that is that we want to give everybody ease and simplicity to be far, part of the financial ecosystem. And I mentioned earlier, we have an API. And this API, which is basically for those who don't know what an API is, just a plug that you can plug into our our back end and you can start offering savings or investments to your end users. Mm. So for us, that's more a wider play. And the vision there really is that building trust in any market is very difficult. So if we're able to allow partners who've already spent a lot of time to build trust, add a financial product to their end user, it does two things. It increases customer stickiness. Mm. It's adding value to the end user consumer. And at the same time, it generates revenue for the business. So if we can't acquire each customer individually, we would like to be the backend that allows you to have the opportunity to think about savings or have the opportunity to even invest because we've made it easy for you. And our vision really is that in the end, we wanna be that partner that's full full encompassing, allowing you to do financial inclusion. So we're actually building Africa And that way, that leads to significantly more opportunities. And it blows my mind that in the West, you can put $3 into an investment portfolio. People talk about investments all the time. People talk about savings all the time. It's made easy. You can do auto deductions and incredible things. But it's just that that information and knowledge hasn't been passed to us. And so we just want to build the infrastructure that allows any partner... To, uh, to help people become more financially included because that's where growth comes from, opportunities come from, and we're better ourselves. And what's life if you're not improving yourself every day?
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me there's a lot of ambition here mm-hmm. in terms of where this stuff goes, which sort of leads me to one of our last questions. Yeah. I'd like to understand future casting, two to 10 mm-hmm. years out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Where do you see Air uh, Influence, Nelson? What is the big, hairy, audacious goal that you see happening
1: with your business. Uh, that's a good question, and like you know, radical saying, you'll plan for something, <laughs> but you'll end up somewhere else because that's Pippething where happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it happens. That's that's where life takes you. So, in ten years, you said seven to ten years, right? Anyway, two to ten years. Okay, so. Up Amongst those two to seven years, I'm, I'm looking at retirement. Oh really? <laughs> uh-huh. Damn right, you need an exit plan. You can't do this for the
2: rest of our lives.
1: So acquisition, but still, uh, like I said, you know, I'm looking to create an ecosystem, you know, a social commerce ecosystem where everyone benefits. As in, you can ride in a taxi and get points. And end of that month, if you put these points together, you can convert into so, some cash that you know helps you. So just interacting and doing things with businesses as you as a uh, retailer or something would, would, you know, get something for you. But yeah, so that's that building that ecosystem is what I'm looking at. Um, I think one of the major pain points that we've been facing across, um, you know, uh, for the past 3.5 years of existence is, um, you know, the, the payments, uh, platforms now I, I mean payment space now is still super fragmented mm-hmm. right?
0: mm, very messy
1: very very messy <coughs> that's another thing which I was um, discussing with Visa about because like for us we've onboarded over 13 platforms you know to just do payments to influencers across Africa are you
0: kidding then different platforms yes, different markets exactly and wow. you know
1: we have and the funny thing is that we have we have uh unicorns out of Africa in in fintech you mm-hmm. know but still, they do not have, I- it's not a one solution fits all. These guys will only serve a specific market. Mm. You go to another market, West Africa, you have to look for someone else. You go to South Africa, someone else, you know, drive across to India, another person. So it's, it's, it's a mess out there. And if we could work a way where we could get, uh, we could almost become a fintech because um, our CTO is very, very passionate about finding a solution for that. And if we're able to crack it, Get that one solution fits all. We could be the next fintech, you know. (laughs) Yeah, there's just a convergence of all these disparate systems, right? Yeah, yeah. bring them into one. That's it. One fintech to rule them all. One fintech to rule them all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, awesome. I love it. That's audacious. Yeah, that is potentially game changing. And really? I think uh, if you do something like that, the liquidity event that will follow, that will be It'll the kind where I definitely send you my CV. Yeah, exactly.
1: Definitely meets his <laughs> retirement
2: goals.
0: Yeah. What about you, Radhika? What are your plans for global domination?
2: Oh, global domination. Wow. Two uh, to ten years. Tell two me. to ten years. So yeah. I would say five-year mark. That's 5 where year? That's, that's more realistic. More that's more realistic. Mm. And I would like to help two million people
0: wow. become
2: nice. financially included. And that means moving from m- low bottom of the pyramid to the next stage, mm. and we're doing a lot of work to try and measure that. Uh-huh. Um, and in simple terms, we've already started that journey. You know, with the current currency depreciation, Kenya's mm. seeing. Oh man, that's crazy. It's crazy. So 150, know?
0: 152 now.
1: Imagine that to the dollar. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. And it's it's pinching every single uh, income class because the cost of living has gone up. And what the work that we're doing is to say, you know, we do believe the Kenya shilling will go up to 200 shillings by the end of the year. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're middle income or you have any Kenya shillings, if you don't need it for your day to day, the first step is let's convert it into dollars. Hmm. Because if the dollars at 150 today and it goes to 200, you're already making, I think it's about 30 percent. Yeah just by holding usd Mm. but actually we know holding cash is not a smart idea whether it's dollars or kenya shillings let's put it to work and by simply just educating people one step at a time to just use that money that you've converted to dollars and now invested in an index which we simplified like the blue chip that holds 500 of the best companies on the new york stock exchange that's on average likely (coughs) to do eight to ten percent this year
1: yeah
2: We've already added 40% of growth to an individual. Imagine what you can do with 40% more wealth. Mm. What you do with it in the end is now your decision. But us helping you and giving you that opportunity to move from one income class to another is where I see the audacious goal. So if I'm able to help 2 million people do that, you can just math multiply. You see the wealth creation that we've created. Mm. And... We have a lot of work to do <laughs> we're getting there uh but that would be my audacious goal and then of course like nelson said i would retire
0: from <laughs> entrepreneurship but
2: i will definitely keep working for the rest of my life because i'm a workaholic <laughs> but not at the pace and the hours the and
0: efforts the, it the yeah. compromises
2: we make you know if nelson has a family i have yeah. a family and you're making compromises health-wise you know personal life yeah. and yeah we you know, we're hopefully it'll be worth it in the end um, because this is a very difficult time for startups. As you know, global macroeconomics mm. are floating into Kenya. Mm-hmm. We're having difficult times from an economic perspective. Startups are going under. Yeah. and Fundraising be- has,
0: has become a challenge.
2: And, you know, these founders are not... It's not that they don't run good businesses or they're not... Yeah, they're not good founders. But if you can't raise more money... yeah. What can we do? And I do think now is the time that corporations such as Safaricom, Coca-Cola, Deloitte, PwC step in to say, if money has dried up from international investors, we know the importance Mm. of investing in our ecosystem, because if they don't help us, there will be no one they can help. Mm. You know, they Mm. need clients. We will be their future clients. So I think, and especially the government, um, the regulators, they all need to step in and look at the bigger picture. Because if they don't, there will be very little businesses paying taxes because yeah, there's no businesses. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen, th- and I think that's where Africa as a continent fails. We don't cultivate our own ecosystem you know i had an opportunity to live in london mm. i was speaking to the friend a couple of fr- startup friends in france mm. they get so many grants so many tax rebates mm. because they're cultivating those companies who mm. can become <laughs> large organizations who then lead to gdp growth
0: and also net employers of many exactly. people yeah yeah about know, job creation job startups.
2: and in kenya one thing i'll say unemployment is at all-time high if you have a job work hard Prove yourself valuable because it's slim pickings out there. You know, we had to unfortunately lay off a few people Mm. just to just be more smart in our strategy. We didn't Mm. want to.
0: It's the reality. It's the
2: reality. Um, So if you've got a job, again, be very grateful and do the best you can at it. Don't take it for granted. That is true. Um, and I think the youth need to hear that, to be honest. Yeah. I think sometimes you, you do take things for granted, mm-hmm. but as well, big corporations and regulators and companies like Visa, who are already doing some work need to now is the time to help mm-hmm. entrepreneurs like ourselves in order to help build Africa, because without them, we won't be around. Won't be around. and yeah
0: yeah. Well, wise words, wise words. <laughs> yeah. wise words. Sage <laughs> advice. Yeah. So I think as we wrap it up, I think yeah. I'd like to maybe get your parting shots mm-hmm. and then maybe through the lens of your you know, your current affiliation with Visa, mm-hmm. um, specifically as winners, but also presumably you'll be working closely with them going forward. Mm-hmm. I think I'd like to just hear any parting shot, anything you think that is important to share that our audience will also find useful and valuable.
1: Yeah, so I guess... Um, I mean, innovation, I think, is a key to, you know, growth and better living and stuff. And, you know, I see partnerships with, for uh, innovative companies, such as Visa, who've been there for the longest, but do not tire to keep innovating, keep, you know, uh, in touch with the uh, communities like us, you know, like what radical was saying in terms of now, they've stepped up, they're now, um, <coughs> working with SMEs together to build the communities and things. Is, is, I think that's where we, we really need to emphasize and get the rest of the corporate world to come in and, and just building on from what Radhika mm-hmm. says. And, yeah, so I think that's the only, only way to help in terms of growth and also benefit the communities at large. So I think VISA should keep that up.
0: Fantastic. So again, it takes a village to raise a challenge. That's one of our famous proverbs in Africa. So we'd like to see that more from the corporates and the other ecosystem players. Absolutely. What about you, Radhika? What do you think?
2: So I think um, the only one advice I'd give to anyone listening today is financial wealth and management starts with you. So take the time, download Dovu app. Don't use it. You don't have to, but use the financial education we're putting out there so you can make better financial decisions in today's life. You know, Visa's doing a lot of financial literacy drives. We're working with them to actually, you know, the grant money they're giving us, we're going to put it towards educating our end users. Mm. And the reason that's important is because when you start learning about money management, there's a famous saying my dad says, making money is the easy part, keeping money is really difficult. Mm. And, you know, if you look at traditional businesses, I'm in awe of them because I'm running a non-traditional business, which is VC-backed, And for us, growth is at any cost, but they've seen 21 cycles of what's happening today and they're still resilient. Excuse me. So what I would say today is somebody would be just go learn the financial content out there. Treat yourself as a business and make the small decisions that you need to do. So in this climate where things have got more expensive, people will save less. That's the wrong thing to do. You should actually cut your spending. And be smart with how you take the money that you're saving and invest it, whether it's through Dovu, anywhere else. And again, I love the work that Visa's doing, so we will be partnering with them, A, to make savings and investments seamless, but also on the financial literacy drive. Mm. And some of my investors will say, oh, I wouldn't want to be you, you're paying the school fees for other companies to come, because Mm. you're spending so much time educating people. Mm. But actually, when I educate people, they're the raving fan that I need, it builds customer loyalty. So I'll do that. But they do have a point. Somebody can come in and then just steal you by mm, Yeah, mm. but that's fine. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. You know, if you keep working hard, innovating, you'll be fine. So my one advice is go go home, spend some time, look at the financial content we've created and just improve your day-to-day money management and it'll take you a long way. And of course, partnerships with Visa will make things easier for us to actually get people more onto the platform.
0: I really, I really back your thinking you know, sort of to put this money and the resources from Visa into the education piece because I have this theory again even in the work that I do in digital marketing that if a customer doesn't understand what it is that you're actually selling mm-hmm. it's highly unlikely they're going to buy it yeah. mm-hmm. and I think what you're doing Radhika is brilliant because what you're doing is you're raising that financial literacy you're raising mm-hmm. those standards and hopefully with a more knowledgeable more informed uh, potential customer there will be a bias to consider your product yeah. because you have essentially shown them how to fish. Mm-hmm. You know. So I think that's brilliant. But Dradika, thank you so much for sharing and giving us your story in Dovu. And also, again, congratulations on winning at uh, the Visa Everywhere Initiative in Kenya. And to you, Nelson, also thank you so much for your insights and sharing your story. And also, again, um, you know, winning both rounds uh, for the various prizes that you got with Visa. Thank you. And to our audience, again, thank you so much for joining us once again here today on the Pure Digital po- Passion podcast with Moses Kamibaro, and we'll catch you in the next one.